Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Rank Up, a fortnightly on-page SEO podcast where we talk about technical SEO, content optimization, search engine news, and much more. I'm one of your hosts, Ben Gary, and I'm joined once again by my regular co-host, Ed Wilson. How are you doing, Ed? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Ben. Um, again, another really exciting episode here. I think um, when we were looking to start opening up the, I guess, podcast to the world in terms of guests coming on, I think this is the one, this guest here is someone that we had in our minds initially early on, just because uh, of some of the topics that she was in, helping introduce to the industry. But also, I think it's a topic that is new to many. So yeah, hopefully it'll be a really exciting episode. Yeah, absolutely. And and with that setup, we, I can introduce our <laughs> guests as well. Um, our guest this week is Ruth Everett, a technical SEO analyst at Deepcrawl. Uh, how are you doing, Ruth? I'm good, thank you. And uh, no pressure after that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I know this is this is definitely an episode that I know Ed has been excited about because <laughs> it it really gets into like Ed's technical SEO leanings as well. Um, <laughs> I will completely admit that this is beyond my comfort zone as as someone who just likes writing words. Um, <laughs> but but it's definitely something that, as Ed said, we haven't really covered at all. I think it's a new topic uh, to quite a few people in the industry as well. So I'm excited to be able to talk about it with you. Um, and we we've kind of teased this enough, so we'll we'll get into it. And this is our our topical session. Um, for the month, which we call our knowledge panel episodes, where we make the most of our guests' knowledge in a particular area of SEO, which means that this month, Ruth is going to be talking to us about teaching herself to code, uh, and more specifically about Python and um, how she learned it and what it can do for SEO. Um, so loads of great stuff to get into. Um, but before we go too far, we'll just hear a bit more about Ruth. Um, so Ruth, could you give us um, just a quick intro to yourself and kind of briefly, if possible, kind of how you got to, to where you are today and, and talking about the kind of things we're talking about? Yeah, so um, I think like a lot of people, I got into SEO accidentally. Um, <laughs> I was working in like email marketing and I really hated it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to like change. So I went to like um, a local agency that was kind of like, a full digital uh, marketing agency and I ended up just kind of getting this client who were like a large international website they had like 80 different websites um, and yeah. they needed SEO and I didn't know anything about it before I started there so um, I kind of learned most things just on the job um, I read yeah. like all the articles I could find and like immersed myself in the world of SEO um, yeah. and then I realized how much I enjoyed it and how it was like definitely something that was like my kind of thing and I wanted to specialize in it um, oh. and then I was lucky enough to get a, a role at Deepcrawl on the marketing team which meant I could do not just do SEO but also write about SEO and speak about SEO and like um, in the industry and stuff so yeah. that was really cool and then um, I did that for a year and then earlier this year the chance arose to join uh, the professional services team at Deepcrawl yeah. which meant getting even more into SEO and more into the technical side and doing stuff with Python so I I took that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm I'm assuming a lot of people listening will probably have heard of Deep Crawl, but for mm -hmm. those that haven't, um, do you just want to give a quick intro because it's a bit different to what some of our previous guests have have done? I think. Yeah. So um, we're a website crawler, uh, cloud based. So we work with a lot of enterprise brands. Mm. Um, and my role as a technical SEO analyst, basically, I work with 
our clients, um, creating like crawling strategies to help them monitor websites, um, identifying issues, helping make recommendations. Mm. Um, and then we basically become like an extension of like an in-house team. Yeah. So we work with them on lots of projects and help them um, with like data analysis and like helping um, to like prove the value of SEO, things like that. Mm. Um, and then also because like we're a software company, any onboarding new customers, helping them to like make the most out of the tool, answer questions, um, use cases, things like that is kind yeah. of what my, my role entails. Yeah, so I guess your your SEO kind of responsibilities now, it, I'm guessing it could be for, for quite a, you know, any number of websites could be a huge range. And I guess, does, does that mean you see quite a variety of different things daily? Yeah, exactly. And we can take learnings from other things and, you know, take them all um, and use them. But a lot of um, my role has become kind of like a lot of data analysis. So taking mm -hmm. from the tool, like from Deep Crawl, taking that data even further. So you yeah. get, obviously we get so much in Deep Crawl, but being able to take that further and, and make more out of it and make use cases with it and business cases with it has been um, a really fun thing. Yeah. With the role. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, no, it's, it's great to have you on because I think it's just a it's a completely different perspective. We've had we've had people from impression on the agency side. We've had yeah. in-house people now, um, but I think you're bringing something something different as well. But as you said, you've also had uh, agency. It was it, it was an agency you were at before. You said yeah. It. yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like you were kind of thrown in the deep end with SEO there too. So you probably know yeah. exactly what it's like in the chaos exactly. of an agency sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, that's brilliant. And and deep crawl is a is a tool that Ed and I uh, are familiar with as well. I think that, that there was through impressions connections with deep crawl that uh, you and you and Ed first spoke. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we'll go into a lot more of that in detail because um, something that we really wanted to talk to you about was um, how how you were saying that um, learning to code is something that's been, I guess, a big part of your journey so far. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, um, and that's something, again, that many SEOs might be familiar with. Probably a lot of SEOs have dabbled in. Um, and then there's going to be another group of SEOs who've never really touched it at all. Um, so so we're going to sort of cover, I guess, why you got into it and um, the applications that for, for kind of SEOs everywhere might find to, to use some different um, coding skills and, and why they might want to look into it. Mm -hmm. um, so the obvious question to start really is for you personally, why did you start learning to code? Like why did it even interest you at all? Um, I think I've, I've always been interested in in tech and like in that world. Um, and I always thought it would be cool to learn like a programming language, be able to code. Yeah. Um, but I never really thought like I would be good enough to actually do it or like I'd ever have a reason for doing it. Mm. Um, but at my previous agency, we worked quite closely with the developers because we worked in the same room. And I used to like watch what they were doing and think it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and I had like a really basic understanding of like HTML and CSS because I used to like edit themes back in the Tumblr days. Um, <laughs> so I had like a really basic understanding of it, but I wasn't yeah. like confident in my abilities or like that I would actually need to use it. Mm. Um, but then I saw people like Hamlet and Brittany speaking and writing about like Python and machine learning um, and how it was like actually helping them do their job as an SEO. Mm. Um, so I thought it would be like a good thing to start learning. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I it would actually help me with my job, if that makes sense. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I think that with like learning to code, it seems visually, it looks like the most daunting thing ever, mm. doesn't it? I mean, I'm, I yeah. remember like nine to 10 years ago when I first saw code for the, in a, in a working sense for the first time, it's just kind of like, wow, this is what, what does this even mean? Um, and that's the, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? It's trying to, I guess, overcome that initial factor and just starting to dabble in it initially, learn the basics very much like you, I think I, I think I started learning HTML when it was like MySpace and those kind of days. Um, basic like a basic HTML tags, I guess, I think that. But I think it's important always to kind of like dabble in it first and just know that, that you know, getting the door, uh, footsteps into it before you know, being completely scared of it. Mm. So you you mentioned there that you saw um, Python being used by others in the industry, and and that maybe was something that brought your attention to it. But within SEO, we we know there's quite a few different coding languages that are mentioned. You, you talked about HTML and CSS, and I know Ed's done a lot of stuff on JavaScript, and there's all these things going on. So kind of what was it that... Um, that, that led you to look at, at Python? What was it you thought you could start using it for in your day-to-day -day job? Yeah, so I think when I decided I wanted to learn a programming language, it was like a toss-up between JavaScript or Python. Mm -hmm. um, and I chose Python because I thought like the stuff that I was seeing people do was really cool and really different. Like I was really intrigued about it. Mm. Um, you know, like the automation side and the data analysis side, because I was really interested in that. Um, so I just became really intrigued in all of the stuff that you could do with it. And it just seemed different. Like not many people were doing it, not yeah. many people were talking about it. And I wanted to just see what it could do and what it would, um, help me do. Yeah. And I know like obviously both are really beneficial, Yeah. but it just seemed a lot more intriguing to me. Like the side that I was interested in, I think the side that I was kind of naturally going down with like the data analysis side, um, it just mm. felt like the right thing to do at that time. Yeah. So I, I'm going to ask the question because I'm someone who doesn't really know anything about Python. So I'm going to put myself <laughs> in the shoes of the audience who who also may not know anything about Python. Um, <laughs> you mentioned sort of data analysis and stuff that kind of practically speaking, could you give a couple of examples of like tasks that you might use it for or, or the kind of thing that it's really helpful and what it maybe does differently to say, you know, tools and Google Sheets that do maybe a more sort of fundamental form of data analysis yeah um so i think that is like a big use case for me is like working with large data sets because mm. um essentially it doesn't have like the row limit that you have in excel mm -hmm. um, it doesn't crash your laptop like excel often does <laughs> for me yeah um so what and obviously the brands that we work with they have so much data and it just it just doesn't make sense to like download it download it all try and open it in excel or google sheets so mm. being able to put it into Python and kind of you can then store it just in Python and then just pull out the things you need. Mm -hmm. um, so some of the things I've done recently with it um, are things like really simple things that I'd never think of doing have, of doing before. So mm -hmm. kind of like um, we had a client who um, performed migration and they wanted to see their redirects, basically how relevant they were to like okay. pre-migration and post-migration. So we essentially took like a, a pre-migration crawl and a post-migration crawl and just segmented um, the pages by like the category they were in. Um, and then used some like really simple comparison operators, which are like built into Python. Okay. And basically just compared what like the level was, what the category was pre to post. And mm -hmm. then 
um, it basically just added a column to the table that said if it was true, if it was the same category or the same level or false if it was different. And then you could kind of look deeper into it. So if like a lot of things from like the fashion category weren't matching, you could kind of see what's yeah. happened here with this redirect. Has that, um, has the rule been set up correctly? Things like that. So it just helped them to understand obviously with a large website, how their redirects have been set and if they were correct or if they needed to go and refine them a bit more. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's one that I never think of doing. It's not really something that I ever thought would be useful, but it was actually really useful for them. And, and we've used it for, for other clients since then that have done migrations. Mm. Um, yeah. And then other things kind of like internal link analysis and log file analysis, kind of when you've got that just like in deep crawl, it can be hard to know where to start or like how to mm. extract anything useful. Um, so being able to like pull it out of deep crawl and then just just run it through a script that kind of like segments the data and then checks like how many links are going to certain categories or how many categories are getting certain hits from Googlebot. And then you can see if there's any um, that are wasting crawl budget because like they're not mm. indexable um, or if there's any pages which could do with more internal linking mm. uh, just to give them a boost or something because they've not got as many as another yeah. section. So yeah, things like that. And also with Python, you can do visualizations just like with Excel. Um, okay. So kind of creating like line graphs and bar charts and things um, really easily just with like literally two lines and you could create like a graph from all of the data that you've got. Mm. So that's kind of how I've been using it in that sense. Mm. Um, and then also using it with APIs. So like the PageSpeed Insights API and sure. Google Trends um, API and just being able to extract stuff at scale um, rather than having like usually they be quite a manual task to do those kinds of things so yeah just being able to make things a bit faster um do things at scale and extract yeah. a bit more than you would normally be able to get from a standard yeah yeah i think you mentioned there uh, reef you mentioned there um in terms of visualizations with excel and i imagine um i guess a majority well, a lot of SEOs would use things such as like Microsoft Excel or Google Sheets for that yeah. kind of redirect management. Is yeah. it the case that you find it so much more efficient in terms of like dealing with large data sets? I know like Excel and Google Sheets tends to struggle when you get to around 50,000 rows or anything like that. So is it just the case that you find it more efficient than Excel or Google Sheets? Or do you think it's actually, you know, the limitations are a, bit, uh, you know, a lot larger as well? Well, yeah, I think no, it's sorry. it's definitely a lot more efficient. Um, yeah. And like you say, it doesn't it you can do more with it. There's there's not as many limitations. Um, sometimes if you've got really large data sets, it can take a while. But it's kind of like you leave it and it just runs like in the background, and you can be doing other stuff. Whereas yeah. if you're trying to do that on Excel, usually you can't use anything else on your laptop because it's just trying to um, yeah, over, formulate over something in Excel. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ed, is this obviously you work in you work in technical SEO a lot more than yeah. me? It's it's your job <laughs> than me. Is this yeah. something you've ever looked into, or is it more something that you'd be kind of interested in the possibilities in? Well, funny you should say that. So um, I think during like hard lockdown, so March April, um, I think this is around the time you started doing a few conferences around it, Ruth. Um, in yeah. terms of uh, I think Brighton SEO, or at least some of the more technical uh, SEO conferences too. Um, yeah. And I think I. I watched your talk on there, but then 
um, just kind of following you on Twitter as well, we I looked at kind of one of the resources that you created, um, and I think you had it on your website too. And I noticed you had a, a learning log there as well, mm -hmm. where you've listed out all the the areas um, of that, that thing you progress with, and that kind of really inspired me to start my own learning log in lockdown as well. So um, I've been dabbling in it this year. So I've actually went straight to basics and started back from HTML, learn HTML, CSS, JavaScript. So yeah. I'm getting on to kind of Python and like more data analysis now. So it's not something like you, Ben. I'm not comfortable with it at the moment, but it's, mm. it's I think those initial talks have really set me in the way just because it's, like I said, I think I mentioned a few questions ago is that Coke, this kind of stuff can seem quite daunting, but if you start taking, you know, little footsteps in it here and there, you'll exactly. be amazed at how quickly you advance in it. And then all of a sudden, you know, a few hours down the line, you're doing something completely new um, that you never thought you could really do before. Yeah, I think that's the best thing about it is that you can do something that you'd never actually think you'd be able to do. And I just get fascinated by it. I'm like, how does it do this? How does it do it so quickly? Yeah. And I like, want to know how it's actually doing it. So I get really intrigued by yeah. it. And yeah. I think I'm really sold on the fact that my um, laptop, laptop doesn't need to take off each time I'm, I'm running <laughs> yeah. as well. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, I've been recording some tutorial videos for some templates and stuff that we've got on Google Sheets recently. And my laptop just slowed down to an absolute crawl. I had to cut out so much of the recordings where it was just dead space of me waiting <laughs> for my laptop to do things. Yeah. So I can see the appeal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got another question here which because we've been talking about technical seo a lot um mm. we just wanted to ask so is is technical seo as far as you can see ruth the sort of the biggest application area for python um you've talked about sort of crawl analysis and, and internal linking and things or or do you think there are other applications within broader seo yeah i think there's so many um obviously on the data front if you have to make any decisions or do any research um, mm. That can be made a lot easier with Python, um, yeah. but also like broadly in in digital marketing, um, and obviously with like the world going even more digital, I think yeah. any industry could benefit from learning a programming language yeah. or something like Python, which can just help you do things a bit faster and become a bit more efficient as the world yeah. gets kind of that way. Yeah, um, yeah. I think. Oh, sorry. Go on. Sorry, no roof. Sorry, yeah, um, I just wanted, like you can also like build websites with Python, um, so it can mm. kind of be like the back end of a, oh, of wow. a website as well. So um, I've kind of done that and like learned more about how websites work just from doing that. So I think there's yeah. lots of benefits from from that kind of thing. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. I, I admit, <laughs> like I, as you were talking, I thought Python was was more just for analysis. I didn't realize you can build anything anything out of it. So. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm learning a lot now. I mean, <laughs> just as Ed, just before you go, the one the one way I'd heard of Python before SEO, I think, was um, so my my wife did a science degree, which is environmental mm -hmm. science, and I know she used Python during her coursework in some yeah. capacity. I admit I don't understand exactly how, <laughs> but like before coming across it in SEO, that was I knew it from sort of my wife and other science students at uni using it in their work. So I know it kind of has all sorts of applications beyond yeah. what we're talking about now. Uh, sorry, Ed, I know you wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna I was just gonna mention that and I guess when we're talking about others outside of technical SEO, maybe more content specialist roles. And I think this 
that brings you into it, Ben, as well, is that I know you yourself, Ben, is from a content mm. angle, although you, as you mentioned at the start, you just love writing words and, you know, <laughs> deciphering what they mean and things like that. But yeah. I think working with you, you love the data-led approach to content yeah. as well so i've seen some of your uh formulas within google sheets and things like that so <laughs> it was more of a case of that you know i think maybe you know as the years go by and think i think python maybe probably be all other coding language languages mm. maybe more accessible i guess to well not less technical roles but more mm. roles that sits outside of technical seo for more kind of that data analysis side of things yeah, yeah. I've, I've met even as we've just been having this last 20 minutes of conversation or whatever I've I've sort of felt a bit of an itch to be like maybe I should <laughs> maybe I should look at this a bit more like I mean back when I started SEO I had a little look at sort of HTML and CSS through Code Academy, and that was kind of as far as I went but mm -hmm. now I'm like, well you guys make it sound so interesting <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll, we'll move on because we've got we've got more questions that we we want to get through and and really the next one I think is a big one for a lot of people listening to make this more actionable mm -hmm. um, which is how did you teach yourself Python Ruth and um, is there anything that you would sort of recommend for people as a starting place to get into this themselves yeah so I learn best by like doing um, I guess mm. that's how I how I learned SEO as well. Um, so just kind of every time I do something, work on a project, I learn something new. Um, yeah. But I did take a couple of online courses. So uh, like you say, Code Academy. Um, and then I also did one with um, an organization called Code First Girls. Um, okay. And they were really good primers for like understanding Python and like the syntax and the basic use of it. Um, mm. Um, but they were like really broad in the use cases and they weren't really specific to SEO okay. tasks. So it was a really good way to get started and understanding it. But I think, I mean, I'm still learning every day. Um, yeah. Every time I do something, I end up Googling like 10 different things to try and figure out something yeah. um, to find a solution or an easier way around doing something. So I don't think it's something I'm ever going to fully learn. I feel yeah. like it's just something that I'm continually learning, um, working on. I guess a bit like SEO. Um, so yeah, I think that's just, um, but doing, I think is the best way to do it because mm. you could do all theory, um, but actually having like a practical use for it, um, is definitely the best way that I've found to learn it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Ed, have you used similar, similar tools when you've been learning as well? Yeah, so I think, again, going back to Ruth's kind of learning log, I think I used free CodeCamp to initially start mm -hmm. off, and that was great because you were, like, creating galleries of cats in HTML, CSS, <laughs> and then it advanced, it advanced you up and things like that. So I'm getting on to the, the Python side of things now. But, um, yeah, I think the thing is it feels like there's been abundance of these kind of uh, free coding areas and now and you, you think oh are they that good but once you start getting into it the testing of it works so well they're so easy to just play around with and like you said Ruth, it just allows you to jump in straight away and start coding and yeah. see you know um, do the basics first and then just really advance it up and some of them do it in such a cool way I can I know there's a few other ones now where like people are turning it into like role-playing games I think there's that regex yeah. one where you can do regex and it turns into a game and there's I think there's a few like that so it's actually can be quite fun as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It, both of you have mentioned now this this learning log that you did, Ruth. Could you just yeah. say a little bit more about that? Is that a resource that people can still find and have a look at? Yeah, so I, I put it on my blog and it was mainly just somewhere that I could keep a track of what I was doing. Mm. Um, so I saw people would do it kind of like in 
notion or google sheets or something and just to keep a track of what they've been learning and yeah um kind of reviewing it and how how they they felt that resource was useful and i thought it would be cool to share um Mm. for anyone that was like also wanting to get started so i just basically made it as a page on my blog um linked to them all and kind of gave it like a if i was still doing it if i'd finished it um but it's mainly just so i could keep a track of what i was doing and share that with people i think (laughs) Yeah, I wonder if we could maybe link to your example in our show notes so that people can have a look. And yeah. then um, if, if that's something that people would find helpful, it sounds like you've been doing something similar, Ed. Um, yeah, I think it depends the way. The, yeah, I think it, it depends the way you learn. But I think, mm-hmm. like you said, like you said, Ruth, it's always good to see the track of it. And I think you can just kind of jump from one platform to one platform. But having it there, it kind of gives you maybe like a to-do list or a search or, or maybe even just to see your progress and how far you've come across a lot yeah. of them as well. So mm. it's really helped me. And I think that's something the way I learn is just having notes and being able to take them off and seeing exactly. how I can progress for it and stuff like that. Yeah. That sounds really helpful. I think that would probably help quite a few people. Um, and, and just kind of a, another question around learning really. Um, you mentioned Ruth that you learn best on the job but you did some of these kind of um fundamental courses and things first do you think there is a level of foundational knowledge that is kind of helpful to get for most people like would you kind of generally recommend going through these one of these courses whether it's code academy or something else before really sort of just jumping into it on the job um yeah i mean for me i had like a really basic understanding of Python and like the syntax of it and how it worked so that it Mm. made sense but I think it was also useful that I didn't really know it and because I had a really open mind when I started learning so I had to google things I had to look at other people's codes I had to break things um, and make mistakes in order to learn but I think it really depends on like your learning style because for some people you know you want to know it fully before you start writing it Um, in which taking like a course and having a project that you've finished that you can reference back to can be really helpful. Um, Mm. But just for me, I think just doing it and having a use case that was actually um, useful for my job was a really good way for me to learn it because I like almost had to learn it because I was, had this thing I had to finish at the end of it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think it, it really depends on how comfortable you feel. I think if you've got like a basic understanding of code, you know, like HTML, um it's a lot less daunting to look at a piece of code but if you've never done that before um Mm. kind of doing a full course and a full project um for just becoming a bit more comfortable with it and how to write it yeah no i think that that makes a lot of sense and um yeah i know i know for me just even doing that first little course in html just helped to make it all seem a bit less Mm. alien (laughs) before exactly yeah. I, remember, I remember seeing developers' screens and you just walk past and it'd be like <laughs> the, black, the black background with just a wall of different colours of words. Yeah. Like, what, what is this wizardry? <laughs> yeah. Um, but so you, you said Deepcrawl gives you, gives you plenty of opportunities to do this really and, and to learn on the job. Do you think you've kind of had maybe unique opportunities through being at deep crawl or, or do you think most SEOs would be able to find opportunities to, to, to do this and put this into practice? If you maybe think back to your job before deep crawl, do you think you could have sort of been putting things into practice there as well? Yeah, I think, I think anyone could, um, if you wanted to do kind of the data analysis side, anyone that has any data, like no matter how small, like a site crawl or even just like data from 
search console analytics mm. um just having access to a bit of data so you could perform like really simple things um, but obviously being at deep has been beneficial obviously working with like large data yeah. but anyone could with any kind of data size but then also there's it's not just like the data analysis side um it's like the automation side as well if you mm. want to try and automate things or um predicting analysis and things like that um and i know hamlet recently has written a post um which is like how to create content automatically for, mm, for like nice. alt text or for um question answer pairs for like faq schema things like that yeah. so it's there's so many things out there um if that's the kind of thing you want to learn so i don't think you even need to be working in seo in order to learn it for seo um because there's so many different use cases for it kind of outside of that um and so many resources that kind of step you through all of the tasks yeah i mean you uh, excited <laughs> yeah i know i was just thinking like so so one of the things that ed and i have worked on recently is one of our sort of shared client projects was was a big content it was, it was kind of like automated content to an extent but it yeah. was oh, it was the most ridiculous i did it all in google sheets formulae which is not <laughs> a good idea in hindsight because it took so long but it worked in the end but i'm like oh there must be a better way to do this so you've you've absolutely like you've thrown the fishing line out there and i've, I've <laughs> uh, content automation like that just, i love i love the possibilities for that because yeah. you know you, like you have websites where you've got well for this website for example we had it was kind of 300 category pages that we'd classed as sort of tier two so we didn't mm -hmm. want we didn't want to spend ages doing bespoke content for them but they were important enough to need something yeah um and and that's exactly the kind of use case where i could see something like this if you could actually do it in a more efficient way that didn't involve making google sheets cry um <laughs> that was that would be something quite beneficial yeah i i think i drove myself a bit mad with that one ah <laughs> uh, yeah well, we won't dwell on it too much we did get there in the end uh, I'll, get, I'll get back on track um, so uh, actually that was that was sort of getting towards the end of the of the python um section of this because I, I think we've talked a lot about what kind of opportunities there are for different people and hopefully dangled enough threads and things there that that people would be interested like like me kind of getting more sucked into this now um, so I was just wondering what's next for you Ruth like um are you looking into any other coding languages or or kind of still learning more with Python? Like, where are you seeing yourself going in the future? Yeah, so at the moment, I don't have any plans to learn any other languages. Um, I'm just like putting even more learning into what I'm already learning and like putting it into practice. Mm. Um, and I want to kind of work on my data analysis and that kind of skills, because that's an area I'm really mm. interested in. So I want to develop that further. Um, and then also continuing to share stuff um, so I actually had the opportunity to do a training course with Brighton SEO this year, which cool, was nice. really cool. Um, mm -hmm. And it kind of sparked that kind of interest in helping other people get into it mm. um, and get started and just like, like you say, getting people interested, showing them what you can do and giving people like a, a foundational start. Um, yeah. So I actually started a couple of like side projects in lockdown, as most people have done. Um, <laughs> and like a, an email newsletter that I send out just like monthly with mm. resources and like useful stuff for anyone who wants to like get started. Or just things like that, I think yeah. is kind of what I want to do now as well um, as, as I continue to learn it, yeah. share it with others. Because I think that's a really good way of learning as well because it 
keeps me accountable um yeah because i have to like you know learn it to to show other people um yeah so yeah that's kind of what i'm where i see myself going hopefully sounds like you've gone back to your to your email marketing roots a little bit (laughs) (laughs) can't quite escape i know yeah and i sent an email on a friday and i was like i'm sure this was like the one thing i told everyone not to do when i used to work in email marketing but (laughs) i i guess though it when it's something that is more of personal interest to people yeah probably not as bad yeah (laughs) but if it's like a pure like business newsletter then i can see why people wouldn't want to read that with their friday dinner yeah (laughs) (laughs) um we mentioned side projects there and so this is this was one other thing we wanted to touch on um in this in this podcast which was uh the blog that you started throughout lockdown um so we will link to it in the show notes so that people can go and find it um, but can you just just talk quickly about what what you're doing on that blog and what people might be able to find there? Yeah, so uh, like you said, it was a lockdown project, and I just wanted to. I used to have a WordPress blog, yeah, um, and I thought it would be cool to start something like that again. But rather than just using like a standard CMS, I thought it would be cool to try and build something yeah. myself. Um, so it's kind of hosted through GitHub and Netlify. So it was a really great way to learn these new like technologies yeah. that I'd never like. I had the, the fear of commit for GitHub, you know, of actually doing anything on there. So it was a, a great way to learn that as well. So it kind of started like that. And then I was like, oh, God, now I have a blog. I have to actually update it. Like I forgot that kind of came with it. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm slowly updating it. But um, it's just kind of somewhere I can write about what I've been doing or learning. Um, and again, just to inspire people and just to show them what you can do. Um, yeah. And like I've written a bit for the Deep Cool blog and for other industry publications, but I wanted somewhere where I could also write like less worky stuff. So like yeah. books I like reading or podcasts I like listening to or um, other stuff that I've done with Python that doesn't really have a place anywhere else. Um, yeah. Just to kind of show people what you can do and, and hopefully get people interested in it. Yeah, that's awesome. And there's also there is a link to SEO dogs on your blog as well. Uh, I yes. saw when I was looking at yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that was another thing that I started. Um, basically, it's kind of uh, taking like the fundamentals of SEO and pairing it with a dog, like an adoptable dog, so that it's like, a fun way to learn SEO. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Uh, how have you found sort of maintaining the maintaining the blog alongside your job and all of the other activities you do? Is it something you're keen to keep up with and and still motivated for? Yeah, it's definitely something I've neglected more than I should, um, especially as it's still a new thing. And like yeah. I say, like I realised once I started it, like I actually have to keep this updated now. Like the learning <laughs> log, I have to update it when I finish something. Um, but um, yeah, the last thing you really want to do after a day at work is like sit down and write more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think I've kind of uh, took the pressure of myself of like having to have something up all the time. So mm. just as long as I have something up like monthly, I mm. think that um, stops me from like feeling overwhelmed by it, but also still gives me kind of like direction and something to work towards. Um, but yeah, it's definitely something that I I, don't know, I just didn't realize when I started a blog that I'd actually have to maintain it. I thought, yeah, I didn't think, you know, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So I, I 100% hundred percent know what it feels like, like trying to write something for personal. Like I've done sort of voluntary blogging for some other sites after work and used to do my own as well, like a few years ago. And almost as soon as I started kind of full-time SEO content work, I was just, my, my blogging output significantly decreased. 
yeah and like I don't my blog and my website don't like don't have any SEO themselves it's like it's that thing right you like work in SEO but you kind of forget <laughs> to do it for your own stuff and yeah like, I should probably and like someone reached out to me about link building and I was like I would not be a very good link builder have you seen my website there is no links to them like I could not <laughs> I just don't think about that kind of stuff I'm like uh I'll do it for, for work but not for personal stuff I well, don't this think about it this is a safe space for that because this is the on-page <laughs> SEO podcast, so we don't we don't have to worry too much about links today. Uh, <laughs> we'll we go, also link to your uh, website in the show notes, so actually you will get a link from us too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you still have one. Yeah, link building. Um, no, we we will definitely put that. We'll, we'll get the links from you, and you've mentioned a few other um, resources as well, like that one from is it Hamlet Batista, the, the other yeah. one you mentioned. Um, and also a couple of other things earlier in the podcast. So we'll make sure we uh, catch up with you after this to get some links for any resources that you think are particularly good for people to follow up with. Yeah. Um, and and we're, we're pretty much near the end of the main questions there. So the last one is, we, we've talked a bit about your blog already, but um, how, what are the other ways that people can find you and keep up with you if, if they want to hear more? Um, so it's mainly just Twitter. So it's just yep. uh, Ruth Everett on Twitter. But just to be awkward, uh, the U in Ruth is actually a V. So just nice. that's a bit awkward. <laughs> I think when, <laughs> I was, when I was looking for your Twitter profile and I was doing sort of like research for the podcast and we were first getting in touch with you, I was like, I can't find you. <laughs> Why can I not find where you are? <laughs> yeah, I just like to be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we'll, we'll link to that as well. And uh, yeah, that, thanks for, for mentioning it. So people should be able to find you pretty easily after this. Yeah. Um, and uh, that, that'll pretty much do it for this week's episode. Um, so thank you so much for your time there, Ruth. It's been a, been a great conversation. I hope one that has inspired people to try something new. Um, as we, we know, at the time of recording, we're set for a, a few more months of, of lockdown <laughs> at least. So um, so yeah, I think this is, this is the perfect time if people sort of feel, feel willing and, and want to try something new. Uh, maybe this is the kind of thing that that a few more people can look into and maybe I might try and find time for myself as well. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for your time and coming on. Thank you for having me. That is that is all right. And thanks as well, Ed. I know you've enjoyed having a technical topic to do. Yeah. So uh, yeah, always, <laughs> always. Christmas wish list has been completed now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I could give you this. We could give you this early Christmas gift. <laughs> Um, but that will do it for this week's Rank Up podcast episode. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with more on-page SEO content, which may actually, if, if Ed and I get it arranged, it may be the first blog that Ed and I, first blog, what am I talking about? First podcast <laughs> that Ed and I have done without a guest, which would be a Rank Up first. But we'll see how that goes. Um, but whatever it ends up being um, and whatever we have in the future, we're, we're planning on doing plenty more through into 2021 as well with uh, loads more different guests from, from kind of different companies and all kinds of different perspectives uh, as we've had these last few months. And uh, we're excited to be able to continue bringing you a variety of voices from within the SEO industry. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, we would massively appreciate it if you could leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Uh, anywhere you can do that, that really helps us out. Uh, and really makes a difference uh, to, to other people being able to find this podcast. And if you want to send in any questions for future guests or are interested in coming on yourself or just generally want a chat about SEO, uh, you can also find me and Ed on Twitter uh, at Ben J. Gary with two R's and at Ed J. T. W. with two D's. 
Um, and if you can't wait for your next helping of digital marketing content, um, you can also check out the impression.co.uk blog, which is just slash blog. Uh, you can also check out Ruth's blog, as we'll put it in the show notes here. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the impression blog is just a great way to uh, keep up with what we're doing outside of this. Uh, there's plenty of other webinars, written content going out, video content as well. Um, so there's generally loads more that you can keep up with. Um, and as always, we highly recommend checking out womenintechseo.com slash speakers, uh, which is a great way to find other fantastic tech SEO writers and speakers. Ruth, I believe you're listed on there. Is that right? I am, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And there's loads of people from Impression as well on there. Um, so we always want to highlight that as well. Um, and that will do it. Uh, thank you, Ruth. And thanks, Ed, for your time this week. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks where Ed and I will potentially be looking back on 2020 through the lens of SEO. Um, so we'll see how that goes. And uh, we will join you then for your next installment of On Page SEO Conversation. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.